Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Communications at Stiefel, joined as always by my colleague, Brian Gardner. He's our Chief Washington Policy Strategist in DC. Hey, Brian. Neil, it's good to be with you for another podcast. Good to be with you as well. We're in the dog days of summer. All-Star Game is behind us, the final stretch. Yep. Uh, you know, quiet day in the, in the sports world. Nothing going on today um, during the All-Star break. And uh, uh, for us New York sports fans, you being a Met fan, me and a Yankee fan, that's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, they can't lose. If they're off, they can't yeah, lose. Can't lose. Um, <laughs> you know, the Yankees uh, replaced their hitting coach a couple of weeks ago. Uh, excuse me, a couple of days ago, right, be, uh, right after the last game before the break and you know maybe that helps but i think it's really a player problem and and really uh a gm and a and a manager problem um not a hitting coach problem but, um we'll see when they get back on uh, on friday and for the rest of the season yeah i mean i feel like poor pete alonzo as you mentioned a big met fan love pete alonzo but he's having just a dreadful year despite the power numbers and i i mean he loses. He he gets a horrible draw in the home run derby and loses in the first round. Then he plays and he strikes out both plate appearances uh, in the All Star game. Very emblematic of his entire season so far. But we'll see what the second half holds. You know, maybe a little break uh, re-energize some guys and they turn it around. Who knows? Um, I'm I'm ready for baseball to to resume, even though yeah. as frustrated as I've been by the first half. And by the way, some breaking news. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but just as we were coming on to record this, I got a, um, an alert that apparently the NFL has selected the Jets for hard knocks this year. I, I did see that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess what are they? Are they trying to add a little fuel to the fire of any kind Maybe. of quarterback controversy or something? Uh, what's what's that all about? I don't know. We'll see. But I'll be tuned in. I mean, it's now going to be on my playlist. I've got the Potomac Perspective podcast and now Hard Knock. So I'm good. I mean, <laughs> you know, the uh, you know, we don't talk about the entertainment industry that much, but with the uh, with the writers being on strike and, you know, I mean, this this is we may be filling a bigger void than we ever had. Uh, yeah. Listen, the networks can do worse. I can tell you that. Um, but, you know, it is, it is interesting, Brian, because we talk about the summer and we talk about baseball and football starting to heat up a little bit. And typically we don't really associate the summer with a lot of activity on Capitol Hill and in Washington. Correct me if I'm wrong. That seems to not be the case this year. I feel like there is a lot going on, even though we are kind of in the dog days. No. So actually, it's it's it really is rarely the case that at least July is quiet. Hmm. I mean, August, yes. Maybe, yeah. Um, you know, Congress will be on break in August. But when you think about it, the beginning of a Congress, and we're in a, the first year of a two-year cycle, and you got a change in power, the parties, the, the party coming into power takes over, they have to organize. It takes them a couple of weeks to get things sorted out. And obviously, you had the very contentious speakers race in early January, which delayed things even more. So, you know, now we're at the point where it's legislating time, and that's what's going on um, on the on the Hill, and and there are other things going on. So yeah, um, July is typically a busy month, and we have a busy July. Yeah, well, we had uh, we had certainly a busy start to July, not just in Washington, but generally speaking on the political world. I don't think we've had a we've had a podcast since uh, Janet Yellen went to China. Um, that trip is over. 
it seems to have gotten a lot of positive vibes. There are a lot of positive vibes around the trip, but I'm curious to get your takeaways of what you think was and was not accomplished. So the press coverage in both the U.S. and China was quite positive. Um, and that's a good thing, right? It's, it's a typically a good thing when senior government officials from two countries, two countries that have had tense relationships, when those officials talk to each other. That being said, I don't think there were major breakthroughs. And I don't think investors should expect to see major policy changes in the United States. Um, China has been pushing for some changes. They've been pushing for relief from the U.S. tariffs, um, but major changes to those are unlikely. Um, so the, the U.S. trade rep, which is responsible for, for implementing and overseeing the tariffs, it's continuing its review of the 2018 tariffs. That, that's something that's required by law. Um, and, and there are people within the administration, probably Secretary Yellen, who are pushing for lower tariffs or to repeal the tariffs. Um, but um, Democrats in and out of the administration, most of them, I believe, want the tariffs extended. Um, certainly, congressional Democrats support the tariffs. Organized labor supports them. Um, you also have U.S. industries and companies that benefit from the tariffs that have been pushing for an extension. So it's going to be tough to make to make big changes in tariffs on Chinese imports um, ahead of the 2024 election. Um, and then there's the issue of vetting American investments in China. Uh, and, and this is something that hasn't happened yet, but which could put some fuel on the fire in relations between the two countries. So um, for over a year, the White House has been working on ex an executive order that would create a process like CFIUS, the Committee of Foreign Investment in the United States. And this new process would vet investments in China by US companies. So an outbound investment rather than an inbound investment. Um, the administration seems to wanna create this vetting process, but limit it to very sensitive sectors like quantum computer. Uh, at the same time, there's a bipartisan group in Congress that wants to go uh, do more, subject more sectors to the process. And they could include language uh, to that effect in the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. Um, that's something that's being drafted right now. That's part of the legislation that I was talking about, the, the, the rush in uh, July. There's a lot of work going on regarding the NDAA. So I'm gonna be tracking that to see how it handles uh, the the vetting this vetting process. But look, as I've said, a lot. Um, there's this bipartisan competition in Congress to, about who can look tougher vis-a-vis -vis China. And that's going to push the U.S. into a more hawkish stance. So, you know, the, the headlines were great. The vibe was great coming out of China, out of the China visit by Secretary Yellen. But investors shouldn't expect a big thawing of economic relations uh, between the two countries. Yeah. But as you say, I mean, at least the vibe is positive and it could have it could have went the other way, which which would have been very negative. So absolutely. No, I mean, there there are big diplomatic issues. Obviously, uh, Taiwan is a, a, a major issue. But for investors who are not just looking at kind of the the global kind of geopolitical um, uh, situation as they, uh, uh, you know, weigh investment decisions. But when we get down to real policy here in the United States, these economic policies, the tariffs, the vetting process, you know, I, I'm I'm expecting, like I said, the tariffs to be extended 
and uh, and this vetting process to be imposed. And that you know that that's something that investors have to keep in mind going forward. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that investors have to keep in mind, we know ESG is a really hot topic among uh, certain corners of the investment world, and now it's getting some play on Capitol Hill as well. Um, I know there's a series of of hearings on on ESG matters getting underway. I saw um, Congresswoman Maxine Waters today talking about uh, the need for transparency on some of these issues. Um, do you think investors should expect anything out of these congressional hearings? So this is ESG month in the House Financial Services Committee. There is a a series of hearings uh, that the committee is going to hold uh, on ESG, and I think everybody knows what that what that means. But it's environmental, social, and governance policies. Um, the, interesting. The, the a couple of these hearings are going to include taking a look at the the role of proxy advisors mm-hmm. and the influence that the firms have over institutional investors regarding votes on shareholder proposals. Um, later this month. Uh, the committee might mark up legislation, um, but despite the committee's work, the potential markup, the ongoing hearings, Congress is probably not going to pass ESG legislation this mm-hmm. year. Uh, instead, I think investors should track what's going on in the states. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before, but where state treasurers and pension funds are pushing back against corporate ESG policies, especially in those states where Officials see a conflict between ESG goals and key kind of home state industries. Um, so a lot going on there has been for a while, and that will continue. Also, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, is continuing to work on a climate risk disclosure rule. It was proposed uh, last year. The proposal has been widely criticized um, as as generally unworkable. Um, it's more complex than that, but that, that's the general takeaway. Uh, so the agency is trying to work on changes before it finalizes a rule. We don't know when a final rule is going to be out, but the point being that the SEC and the states are where the real action is vis-a-vis ESG policy. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you talk about on on not likely that Congress will pass ESG legislation. I mean, there's a lot of competing priorities going on for Congress as well. So this is just one of a laundry list of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I know we've talked about also is uh, a tax bill in the House. You've talked about it before. Um, Are there any updates, any movement on the tax front? So before the July 4th break, the House Ways and Means Committee, which is the tax writing committee in the House, um, passed a bill that included some changes related to corporate taxes. Um, This is a bill that would suspend some recent changes in R&D expensing. Um, there, are, there are new limits on bonus depreciation and uh, the way that companies are required to do to depreciate R&D expenditures rather than immediately expensing them. Um, those were results of uh, the 2017 uh, Trump tax bill. Um, so those changes would be temporarily suspended. Um, there's also a proposal to suspend another change, which is the way that the business interest deduction is calculated. Um, companies are limited to deducting 30% of their business interest uh, costs, but um, the way that's calculated has been shrunk in the last year on schedule per that per that 2017 tax law. Um, uh, before last year, you, um, it was 30% of EBITDA. Uh, that's been narrowed to 30% of EBIT uh, earnings between 
uh, interest in taxes. So um, uh, the, the, the bill that the, the committee passed would uh, would revert back to EBITDA. Um, still waiting for a floor vote in the House. Um, I think it's run into a little opposition uh, on two fronts. One, um, some Northeastern Republicans, generally from high cost states, they want to use the bill, uh, the, the Ways and Means bill, as leverage to get relief from the cap on the state and local tax deduction, uh, the SALT cap. Um, most Republicans support the, the SALT cap um, and don't want to raise it or repeal it. So you have a kind of an intra-party fight among Republicans. And at the same time, Democrats, uh, who generally probably support the bill, um, they also want to use that as leverage to get a vote on increasing the child care tax credit. Uh, and, and that issue hasn't been resolved. So I'm guessing the House is not going to vote on this corporate tax bill this month. We're going to look into the fall. There, there are a bunch of must-pass bills later on I mentioned the NDAA, you're going to have some spending bills, FAA reauthorization, a farm bill. There are going to be a couple of things that have to pass by year end. And uh, I suspect that um, Republican leaders are going to see if um, if one of those other vehicles is um, is a good way to kind of a, a good vehicle on which the the uh, the tax bill can uh, hitch a ride. Um, but it, it's um, th- those tax changes, I think, are, are important for, for uh, a number of se- business sectors. Yeah. Well, something for us, obviously, to keep an eye on. That's why we Absolutely. have you. In. Yep. That's why we no summer, no summer break for you. Now, um, you know, I, I'm going to get a little downtime in August, but uh, you know, even going back to your original question on summer being quiet, you know, Congress is out of town, the regulators aren't, and so uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you can get a, a regulatory proposal or a final rule um, if if you know regulators, the agencies want to wrap up something up before Labor Day. Um, uh so yeah it's it's going to be an interesting and busy few weeks and we've had podcast episodes devoted to the power of regulators not to underestimate that so all right well brian good to catch up thanks again for spending some time this 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 week thank you neil and thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time for another episode of potomac perspective